Good morning. I'm Shamita Basu. And I'm Duarte Geraldino. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. We begin today with the fires out west. Parts of Washington state, Oregon, and California are burning again after a weekend of extreme heat. I'm talking 121 degrees near Los Angeles, 125 degrees in Death Valley. It's so bad, more than 100 homes have been burned to the ground across several states, and hundreds of families have been forced to evacuate. The LA Times is calling California's Creek Fire a monster inferno. And as of yesterday, it was completely uncontained. Already this year, two million acres have burned in the state. That's six times what we see in an average fire season. Mm. In Washington state, Governor Jay Inslee said more acres had burned this week than in the last 12 fire seasons. Oregon Governor Kate Brown said thousands of people have been evacuated from their homes and many more are still at risk. But Duarte, it doesn't need to be this way. ProPublica has one of the most detailed pieces that I've seen that explains why human intervention is actually messing with the laws of nature here and making things much worse. Reporter Elizabeth Weil speaks with Tim Inglesby. He's a longtime wildland firefighter with a Ph.D. in environmental sociology. And Tim explains it this way. California is, of course, very dry. It's very hot. Wildfires are bound to happen naturally there. California was on fire even in prehistoric times. So our goal shouldn't be to stop fires there. Our goal should be to control them, to manage them so that they don't get out of control like what we're seeing today. But to do that, you need to proactively start what are known as good fires. So you're talking about controlled burns. Right. Controlled, intentional burns. So think of it this way. Like, think of a checkerboard with black and green squares. And if those black boxes are already burned areas, then imagine if one of those green squares catches on fire, like what we're seeing this week, it'll be surrounded by black boxes so it can't spread further. There will be nothing in those black boxes left to burn. The ProPublica reporter explains, we have a military mentality when it comes to fires. Fight them. Put them out at all costs. You know, instead, fire experts say we should be letting the ones that pose little to no risk just burn. But experts, state and federal fire advisors believe that California as a state is woefully behind. It's estimated that the state would need to burn the equivalent amount of land as roughly the size of Maine to catch up. And obviously, that's not very practical. As the ProPublica reporter writes, it doesn't need to be this way. We didn't need to get here. We are not suffering from a lack of knowledge. Election night in the U.S. is like a sporting event. On TV, it's the Super Bowl of politics. Except this year, there might not be a trophy to hand out at the end of the night. That's right. And it's not just TV networks that are going to have to adjust their expectations. It is all of us, voters, citizens, people who stay up all night waiting and watching, because it's very possible that this year, on the morning after Election Day, we won't know who officially won. And that's simply because if more people vote by mail, which all signs point to a lot of people voting by mail this year during the pandemic, well, all of those ballots most likely won't be counted by the end of the night. The Pointer Institute has a good explainer on what you're likely going to see. Now, Pointer is a journalism school and research organization, and it says this year, don't plan for election night. Instead, plan for election week. Now, there are some states like North Carolina, which is a key battleground state, that'll accept ballots postmarked after Election Day. In other states, it'll take time to verify the ballots before counting can even begin. 
And Pointer says, just look at California as an example. In this year's primary, 5.8 million people voted in California. By election night, only 3 million of those ballots were counted. The rest took another seven weeks to count. And yes, California is expected to go for Biden, so it might not matter all that much for the Electoral College, but it might matter for down-ballot races. And it just shows what could happen in other states where the outcome in the presidential race is less certain. Plus, we could see a lot of litigation over ballots, especially if it's a tight race. So here are some tips for how to watch the returns on election night. Pointer says don't obsess over who has the early lead. It could change. Also, be wary of the percentage of precincts reporting number, because if a lot of people in a given precinct end up voting by mail, that number could be virtually meaningless. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, we all need to be careful just in case a race or winner is declared prematurely. No matter what a politician or analyst might say, it's not official until all the votes are counted. Thirty years ago, a man named Bryce Cleary decided to become a sperm donor. He was in med school. He was studying to become a doctor. He thought it would be a good thing to do, that he'd be helping out a couple in need. He was told his sperm would be used in five pregnancies at the most, and that the rest would be used for research, that the sperm would be shipped to the East Coast, far from where he was in Corvallis, Oregon. Then in March 2018, he logged on to Ancestry.com for the first time, where he got a message. He had two genetic daughters. Then in January 2019, a message from another daughter. The clinic who promised him his sperm would only go to five couples lied. His newfound genetic daughter told him at a minimum he had 14 other children through sperm donation and that some of them had lived in the same town, knew each other, went to the same high school. The Washington Post has the details on this story and how genetic genealogy websites can be fun until, well, they aren't. Until you meet people you never wanted to or intended to, and how it can seriously upend your life. Now the total count is Cleary has learned he has at least 19 donor children. Many of them live just a couple of hours away, like you said, Duarte, and they have a lot in common. Thick eyebrows, the same prominent forehead, deep-set eyes. All of them hate cilantro, which, as you know, is a genetic thing. Knowing all of this began to affect Cleary at his medical practice. One time, he found out he had a new patient who had been conceived via sperm donor, and he totally panicked. Cleary is now suing the fertility clinic where he donated sperm for fraud and inflicting emotional distress. He's seeking more than $5 million in damages. Though Cleary is grateful to meet some of his genetic children and to build connections, he's overwhelmed. And he's distraught. Some of his children are also overwhelmed. One said, while she's grateful to connect with her half-siblings, it's also frustrating to know that there could always be more siblings out there. And at the end of the day, Cleary tells the Washington Post he regrets ever logging on to Ancestry.com. And finally, if you thought that just because people aren't traveling right now, airlines aren't coming up with ways to charge you, well, you can think again. Yeah, this is just icing on the cake for an industry that loves introducing new fees on literally anything it can think of. Bloomberg has a running list of some of the stuff different airlines have been coming up with. Qantas Airlines 
is considering selling first-class tray tables from retired 747s as memorabilia. It's already selling those premium amenity packages that give out to first-class passengers. You know, Shamita, the ones that have nice tea bags and hand cream. I know. And apparently those sold like hotcakes online. I definitely do not know. Those sound nice, though. The tray tables (laughs) thing is crazy. Who misses a tray table when they leave a plane? But here's another one. I really can't believe this one. Some airlines are offering this service where they deliver airline meals to people's homes. I mean, really, who likes those meals enough that you would pay to eat them in your own home? I don't know. Apparently, there's a market for that, too. By the way, my absolute favorite item from this Bloomberg article, flights to nowhere, literally flights to nowhere. People in Tokyo paid money to sit on an airplane for 90 minutes and pretend they were on their way to Hawaii. Flight attendants wore Hawaiian shirts and served cocktails, but they didn't go anywhere. But they still paid for it, right? Yeah, they had the memory, though. (laughs) You want to know what's free, Duarte? Well, the show is free. The show is free. (laughs) And you can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. We'll talk with you again tomorrow. Tomorrow. 